Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking and ICBA Securities. My name is Byron Earnhardt, and I'm the Programming Director at Barrett. It is our mission here to serve the community banking industry with information that is informative, relevant, and hopefully we'll have a little fun along the way. So, from Memphis, Tennessee, home of banking, blues, and barbecue, welcome to our little corner of the community banking world. And we hope that we can make your bank, your staff, or maybe just even your day a better one. Okay, welcome back to the Main Street Banking Podcast today. Uh, with us today, we've got another um, another fintech here that, as you know, a big uh, emphasis on the show has been discussing the relationship between fintechs and community banks and how that process and how that relationship has truly uh, evolved over time. And so we have a, um, a good friend of the show, Nathaniel Harley with, uh, with Mantle, and uh, I'm going to uh, be discussing with him that, that relationship, not only with Mantle, but also what he sees in the industry. So Nathaniel, welcome to the show. Tell us about yourself and a little bit about Mantle. Thanks so much for having me on. It's great to great to be chatting. Um, so a little bit about myself. I am the co-founder and CEO of Mantle. Um, you know, essentially Mantle is an enterprise software company that helps the traditional financial institution, banks, credit unions modernize and, and grow. Um, I actually started my career in finance working at Goldman Sachs and liked it, but didn't really feel like it catered to my entrepreneurial goals and, and spirit. So decided to ultimately leave and um, started my first company, which, which was actually in the, the media space and have been investing in, in startups over the past sort of five, six years as well. Um, and then after doing that, started Mantle, which actually was originally called MyFin. And then, um, you know, we, we pivoted to a B2B platform. And you know, at a high level, Mantle's mission at the end of the day is really to expand access to financial services. We are very much taking on the legacy infrastructure that has hindered access to digital banking, as well as modernization in the banking industry over the past number of years. We are focused also on transforming the cost structure of these institutions, really mainly community banks and, and credit unions, because it's really important to lower the cost structure just to give them more leverage to grow efficiently, right? And, and give them the flexibility to think about these additional revenue streams outside of fees and, and whatnot. And so we do this through a white labeled platform that helps these banks open accounts for their customers anywhere on any device at any time in less than two minutes and, and 37 seconds. And as a result, we've actually helped these community institutions raise billions of dollars of deposits each year um, since, since we've gotten started. So it's been a fun, fun journey and, you know, have been really excited to help level the playing field for a lot of these banks and, and community banks against, you know, the money center banks and, you know, new fintechs that have been popping up. I'm glad, and I'm glad you, you, you phrased that the way you did, Nathaniel. I really like um, that's why I brought you on the show is because I think you really speak to the the um, symbiotic, the anti-adversarial relationship that we hear so often on social media between fintech and community banks. I'm trying to promote uh, the fintechs and the banks that are actually working together in that type of relationship. So thank you for expressing it that way. Speaking of banks, uh, in our some of our conversations ahead of this, you actually mentioned that you had started out in building a challenger bank. Uh, and then pivoted to a fintech. 
um, I got to say that that kind of struck me. I hadn't heard that career path before. What uh, what brought that change about? So when we were first starting the company, I was actually trying to get my own finances in order and, and started talking to a bunch of friends and started to identify a number of problems. One, this was the, we were in a time of unbundling of financial services. So people had their money in a lot of different places. Financial literacy was really low. People didn't really know what to do with their money or whether they should pay off their student loan or invest or what it may be. And they also felt that the technology and services that their banks were providing them weren't really solving that problem. It wasn't filling the the gap at the end of the day. So we actually saw an opportunity when we first started the company to build a better bank that actually helped people. And we embarked on that journey. The first iteration was a personal finance app, kind of like a mint competitor. We then got some seed funding and started to set out on on actually building a, a challenger bank and adding bank account functionality to the platform. That's when we started talking to probably 40, 50 banks ranging from the Wells Fargo's of the world all the way down to the regional and community banks and credit unions who, who Mantle actually serves today. And that is when we started to uncover really the opportunity that Mantle goes after today. Community banks make up 95% of the banking industry, right? It's crazy to think about how, how much they actually um, you know, play a role in that ecosystem, but they haven't had the tools to compete. You, when we started the company, less than 20% of these banks had online account opening. Today, it's just around 50%, right? So there's a really, really, really big gap. And these banks have historically relied on outdated technology from certain vendors that have really taken an acquisition approach to innovation at the end of the day, right? And that in many ways has led to the situation we are in now where the solutions a lot of these legacy vendors provide to the banks and credit unions doesn't meet the needs of their end customers and also the the internal bankers as as well. And, you know, in, in many ways, why the gap between the community and regional banks and the money center banks have really widened over the past number of years, right? I think if you actually look at it, the mega banks have spent about a trillion dollars on digital transformation in five years. That is why they've gone from 16% market share of deposits 25 years ago, all the way up to 56% today, right? So they've really been getting more market share. So we saw an opportunity to come in and say, all right, what would happen if we provided these community banks who as I said, play a really vital role in our economy and the locations that they serve. You know, they, they really are there for um, their community when other money center banks who maybe take a cookie cutter approach aren't. What would happen if we help bring them the technology that the money center banks were using and the fintechs were using to really help level the playing field? And so that's how Mantle was born. Um, and we pivoted from a, a direct-to-consumer Neo Bank or, or Challenger Bank of sorts into an enterprise software company uh, that was actually selling into these banks. And you know, as a result, sitting here today, we actually provide the most powerful account opening uh, platform on the market. We see about 10 times more effective growth than actually building a branch. And, and we like to, you know, um, we like to compare it to, to building a branch. And, you know, really a lot of the option historically has been building a physical branch and we like to complement that with, you know, software. Yes, that goes in the branch, but also tools to help these banks grow online. 
<clears throat> you really kind of answered my next question already. That's awesome, Nathaniel. I appreciate that. Um, you know, we were talking again at the pre, you know, some of our pre-conversations ahead of this that I like that phrase. The community banks have the right tools; they could definitely compete. And again, I think your approach, uh, your mentality, and your approach of promoting those tools, arming those community banks with the right tools to compete, uh, is is really interesting and, and really what I think is is, is the, the a large part of the value add that you have for the banks. Another phrase that uh, you, that came out in some of our conversations were, were uh, a banker led experience and data driven approach to the risk management and the compliance side. Um, I was really interested by that. What uh, what does that look like on the user end? Definitely. So I think a lot of the, the vendors in this space have historically, you know, focused more on the banks and customer experience, right? So like what their what their customers would would uh, interface with, and have kind of left the actual bankers themselves with a fairly uh, antiquated product. Like they're basically looking at a green screen. Um, and it's very hard to use, right? So we think actually both are really important. It's really important to help the bank serve their end customers. And we want to provide the most beautiful, easy to use experience so that they can compete with the chimes of the world. But we also focus on the bank employees themselves, right? Because one of the things that we have really found out and, and have come to deeply feel and internalize is that there's a lot of inefficiencies in the way banks operate today. And obviously in, in the macro environment that we're in, where you know it's a low interest rate environment, there's margin compression, one of the ways these banks can actually grow is by becoming more efficient. And so we started focusing on the different personas at the bank, BSA, deposit operations, the call center, marketing, et cetera, et cetera, and started to, from the ground up, design solutions that would help them do their job better. It would help automate some of the mundane tasks that you know, really could be automated and, and get rid of a lot of the paper so that they could then focus on higher order work, more powerful work, right? That would really drive better outcomes for the business at the end of the day and allow the, the bank um, to grow faster as a result. I think one great example of that is, is what we've done in the sort of risk management and, and compliance piece of the platform. Mantle takes a very consultative approach um, when we work with these banks and we really allow their, for example, compliance teams to use our data to make the right decisions. We give them real-time reporting, uh, an A-B testing framework that allows them to use all the data to make better decisions. Um, we allow them to actually make real-time changes to their decision waterfall so that they can push updates to production right then and there, or, you know, push every week, whatever cadence that they're on. So they're constantly evolving and reacting to what they're seeing in the market. They can draft, they can test, they can edit, they can publish all of these decision-making rules on hundreds of different attributes to ultimately build the best compliance program for their bank. And they can customize it to, to their needs on you know, th their, their own terms. What this has resulted in is our bank's automatically decision on average, 92% of customers that come through. So what that means is someone makes their way through the application process and they click that submit button. 92% of the time that customer is getting a real-time response 
either an approval or rejection. We have some banks that do it 98% of the time, right? And that kind of goes to how comfortable they are from a, a risk and fraud perspective, as well as how much automation they want. But that can lead to massive cost savings, right? We've had banks that have been able to triple the number of applications on the platform without needing to increase headcount whatsoever, right? And and, and that's and that's really um, you know powerful at, at the end of the day. And, and just the last point, we also do see as a result of all these data sources that we use a massive reduction in fraud, especially when compared to other vendors. We see about a sixty-seven percent reduction in fraud. I've really that's the first time, Nathaniel, that I have heard a fintech using persona-based marketing uh, on banks. Um, uh, we do a little bit of that. <clears throat> we talk a lot about it in our uh, at, at Barrett Grad School, and then we do a little bit of it in marketing our own products. And for a lot of the bankers out there that uh, you know don't don't really understand that, trust me, that is a lot of work that goes into understanding who it is, who it is you're really going after, build and working with them, and uh, fitting your product and fitting your pitch for lack of a better word, uh, to, and specifically uh, almost like a rifle approach into your marketing. And if you don't understand what persona-based marketing is, go ask your marketing person about how much work that goes into it. Uh, it is it is a ton of work, again, going to my point of the relationship that we're seeing develop between fintechs and community banks, the amount of work to add value to the industry. So Nathaniel, thank you for, thank you for doing that. Uh, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that you and I both see a more symbiotic relationship developing between community banks and fintechs. And for my last question, I'd just love to get your insight as to where you see uh, that relationship go, uh, going industry-wide over the next year or two. Certainly. So I think it starts with really needing to help shift the mindset around the value of technology. One of the things that we encounter very frequently when, when talking to a lot of our banks and credit unions is that they very much view technology as an expense, right? And when you view it as expense, what you're trying to do is you're trying to minimize costs at the end of the day. But that's actually not what technology is for these banks. Technology is an investment in their future. There is a very real possibility that if they do not invest in the right technology and continue to use the legacy systems that they have used historically, that they might not be around in the next five to 10 years. And this is an existential threat to the industry, right? So we do a lot of work helping these banks think through, all right, what does giving you, as I said, the right tools to compete actually do for your bank? And we have so many awesome case studies. Number one, Midwest Bank Center or MBC Bank out in St. Louis, when they went live with the online account opening, 19% of all accounts were opened online, right? Just sort of out of the gate without doing some heavy marketing. They were able to raise their, they were able to hit their deposit goal in a matter of weeks, their yearly deposit goal in a matter of weeks. And they saw an average initial deposit amount of 3000 for checking accounts, right? So so that's that's a pretty strong outcome. Yeah. Cross River Bank was able to raise uh, $250 million of deposits in 15 days with the Mantle platform. They saw an 88% net conversion rate, um, which you know is, is obviously pre pretty pretty darn good if, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, Quantic Bank, you're able to submit an application with 24 clicks. That's as good as any of the other neobanks are, are sort of touting. And you know they obviously saw... Um, 
you know, a, a massive reduction in, in customer acquisition costs by, by about 90%. So we're, we're seeing really awesome case studies across the board. I think the other factor that has, has sort of been playing into this and, and why we really focus on the omni-channel experience, not just the end customer, but also the banker-led experience is a lot of these banks fear losing the personalized approach of maybe what walking into a branch gives you, right? But when you talk to their end customers, they want that, but they also want to be able to leverage both the branch as well as the digital channel. I think this is a very similar shift that we saw in e-commerce, right? Where you had a ton of direct-to-consumer online e-commerce companies come up like Casper and you know even Amazon. And what are they doing now? They're actually opening physical retail locations to complement the digital experience. And, and that's why we believe those are really important. We actually recently heard from one of our um, community banks that a customer who was about 80 years old was going online and they were opening an account and he was ready to go. He got through the application. He was about to hit submit and he was about to wire $250,000 to this bank. But he just wanted to call support and make sure that like, all right, you're, you're, you really exist. Someone's really there behind the scenes. And he was able to get on the phone, talk to their call center. And as a result, the bank got a $250,000 deposit from, from that customer. I think that's just a really good example of how the hybrid digital experience and the human to human strategy really come together and, and work. Um, I think, you know, we will certainly see a lot more partnerships between fintechs and community banks over the next few years. But as tech vendors, we all need to step up and make sure we are adding value, right? And it's really important that we add value to, to these institutions. And I think we, we talked about one, right? Like how do we help them grapple with the evolving challenges such as fraud management, right? I think the stat we saw was in Q1 of 2021, there was a 200% increase in mobile banking and a subsequent 250% increase in online banking attempted fraud between the first and fourth quarter of last year. So fraud is a big thing, especially when you're, you're online. And you know it's nice to provide a really sexy UX and user experience, but also how are you going to make sure that the, you give the bank a, a really good Economic, economic outcome at the end of the day. We also have to make sure that the technology can integrate with and enhance the legacy systems that these banks are tied to. Because the reality is, is doing a core migration or, or getting off your core in the next few years, it, it, it's not a trivial process. It's really expensive. It's right. really time consuming. Right. And so what we have figured out is how to work well with these legacy systems, but be able to provide them and, and enhance these legacy systems so that these banks can have the types of solutions that they need to compete. And that's real-time core integrations uh, that's making sure you aren't writing custom code and you have an industry leading time to market and, and things like that. And I think the last piece is just data, right? How do we use data and how do we give our banks the data and credit unions the data so that they can make data-driven decisions because um, ultimately, that is our job. Like our job is to provide them with the information. Ultimately, they can choose what they want. We will obviously give our best practices and, and recommendations. But you know that that's you know I, I think it just complements the uh, pure product at, at the end of the day um, by by really being a partner to them because that's what we strive to be. Well, Nathaniel, I I, I think. Uh... If you haven't thought about it already, you probably need to take over the podcast and just do that 
that that thing right there, that that answer right there, uh, a whole series on fintech and community banking relationships. You, you summed it up better than I could, buddy. Um, and I loved I, I, what what struck me was the that um, you, you was talking about the core forever and ever and ever. It has been one of the pushbacks to a, a digital adoption and improving technology has been the core. I can't change the core. My core provider won't let yeah. me adapt. All this. Uh, I've, you and, and uh, others, um, uh, Mantle and some other fintechs that we've talked to have, I, I love that y'all have recognized that problem and have met the solutions using your expertise in the, in the software and programming uh, fields uh, are knowing how to leverage those assets um, into solving that problem where we don't have to do a poor conversion. Because having done, having been through one, uh, it's, They're it's fun. <laughs> oh God, oh my God, no. Um, <laughs> oh my God, no. But anyway, well, Nathaniel, thanks again for coming on the show. Great time talking to you. Uh, tell our listeners uh, how they can find out more about uh, about Mantle. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Really enjoyed it. Um, so you can either go to our site, which is just www.mantle.com and uh, you know reach out through there, or you can just email us directly at sales at mantle.com. That's M-A-N-T-L. So look forward to hearing from uh, anyone. We'd love yeah. to help and you know, partner. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll have that information in the show notes and on the show page as well. Um, so be sure to click on that. Check that out um, as, after you finish subscribing to the podcast, if you're new and uh, dropping that rating. So anyway, thanks again, Nathaniel. Take care. Have a good day. All right. You too. Take care. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on the latest episode. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating as well, as that will help get the content out to more listeners. We appreciate ICBA Securities for their sponsorship, and if you would like to know more about quality investment products, services, and education at competitive prices, check out their website at icbasecurities.com. And finally, if you don't follow Barrett on our social media platforms, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with all the cool new things that we've got coming up. And as always, from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of banking, blues, and barbecue, thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a great day.